0: Hey, Mike! Oh, Mike's not here. If he was here, I would tell him, you know, that spring training is in full swing, which means it's time to think about your fantasy drafts. Yahoo! Fantasy Baseball has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association five years in a row, and one reason why is the Yahoo! Fantasy app. The app helps you get the expert advice and analysis you need to make moves like a big league GM or even better than a big league GM. You don't have to You don't have to stop there. And dominate your league. You'll be able to draft, trade, and manage your team right from your phone. Sign up by downloading the Yahoo Fantasy app or going to yahoo.com slash fantasybaseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Joe. Hi, welcome to the Podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and uh, Michael Shore is uh, on assignment this week. Uh, so we have something even better, even better than Michael Shore. We have Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of The Ringer, host of Binge Mode, and My former editor, all sorts of awesome things. Mallory, you're so (laughs) much better than Michael. There's just no question. Just, Just you being here is so much better than Michael.
1: I really I appreciate you setting the bar so low and making sure that expectations are managed for for all of the listeners so that I can only inevitably uh please them from here that's great thank
0: it, you believe me our listeners have no expectations they they have <laughs> long ago gave those up if, if they're listening to uh to this but uh I by the way Michael I Michael's not really on assignment he obviously we would never have an assignment for him but I always thought that sounded cool, right? Didn't you always think that was great? Oh like, yeah. They'd say, you know, uh, they usually like it was like a sixty minutes thing, like you know, th- th- he's whoever is on assignment this week, and you, like, like there really are. Like that was always ridiculous.
1: Anyway, is he helping like helping JD Martinez pick out new socks? Like what's what's I the would specific uh, fantasy we're going to indulge here? I would
0: imagine that the, it has something to do with the Red Sox uh, that where, wherever he. <laughs> There's no doubt. He just said he gave me like a, he sent me like a text like, oh, I'm so so upset, but I'm out of town. Yeah, out of town. Uh, oh, interesting. So, yeah, so I think he's uh he's definitely doing something. He's either doing something with the Red Sox or or setting some sort of landmines with the Yankees. One one or the other is definitely uh, <laughs> this week. Uh so it would be great to not talk about the Red Sox uh for a week and talk about the team that really matters. Uh, which is uh, your your Baltimore Orioles, Mallory? Mallory. <laughs> what? Oh, oh God. God! All right. So first of all, um, well, first of all, tell us about your your history with with the Baltimore Orioles.
1: Oh my God! So you're you're really you're going for the high energy, cheerful podcast today. I want right off the bat. I want our listeners to know this is not gonna this is not
0: gonna be an uplifting. At all.
1: well you know when we were doing a, a little mic check earlier to make sure that all the the tech was up and running and our connection was as smooth as manny's glove work in the infield i said truthfully that i spent 10 minutes this morning just standing in the bathroom as i was getting ready for work thinking about manny machado and the futility of hope and that's sort of where i am right now that's the headspace that i'm currently occupying my uh my history of Orioles fandom is uh, a, a brief and simple tale, really. I am a lifelong O's fan. Um, my dad grew up in Baltimore, and he is a lifelong O's fan. And I was really weaned on stories of Earl Weaver and the power of the three-run homer and tales of Oriole magic. and. Got really excited for what life as a baseball fan would be. And then the Orioles were awful for the bulk of my formative years. And that was really tough. Like, you know, to give you a little, um, like a bearing for, for what it was like to be me and to root for the O's for a while, the first bunch of players who I was like, I, I really, these are my guys. Like, I can see the talent here and the potential here before anyone else can. We're talking like Chris Richard and Larry Bigby and Jay Gibbons. So oh, it's yeah. been bleak. It's been bleak. And yet, you know, as as with with all good things in life, you know, I, I got to enjoy the purest bliss of my entire life when I got to, to watch the O's finally make the playoffs. And when they played and beat the Texas Rangers and you Darvish in the wildcard game in 2012. I, I know this sounds like insane, especially because anybody who can deduce that I'm a Baltimore sports fan knows that I've watched the Ravens win two Super Bowls. <laughs> that was the best three and a half hours of my life as a sports fan, watching the Orioles win that wildcard game. Like I had just waited so long to even taste that possibility. And Baseball is my favorite sport, and the Orioles are my favorite team. And it's like they're a huge part of my relationship and bond with my dad. They're a huge part of my everyday life. They're a huge part of why I pursued sports journalism as a profession. And I love them, and they break my heart every day. Well,
0: here's here's the thing that, that strikes me, Mallory, is that your dad uh, totally conned you. I mean totally because he had it. He had the good Orioles – like like when he, oh, yeah. he was passing this,
1: down. he had the best Orioles.
0: Yeah, he was he was talking about you know World Series and Jim Palmer and Brooks Robinson and and, and Earl Weaver and and Cal Ripken and and all of the things that 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 are good uh, about baseball and life. Uh, and he conned you into taking on a team <laughs> that has never ever given you anything remotely like that which is just you know this is the, the, my dad handed me cleveland sports it was already clear from the day i was uh started that i was he was he was setting me up for failure right i mean there was never there was no there was no sense of, every so often he would talk about jim brown and it would be like oh that bet that, that was nice but you know there was no there was no sense that that was the the life that i was being handed but you kind of were given this Oriole way that is—it's a little while. Yeah. It's been a little while since uh, since the Orioles have been that.
1: Well, you know, children are impressionable, and once I saw my first Jim Palmer jockey sure. underwear ad, I was all oh, in. Who, and
0: <laughs> that was oh, all was was joke, you know? right? I mean, obviously, <laughs> Jay Gibbons. Was, how how high was Jay Gibbons on your on your scale of <laughs> love?
1: Uh Pretty high. Chris Richard was, he was my true one. He was really my truest love for a while there. I became obsessed with the fact that he had hit a home run in his first major league at bat, even though that had happened with the Cardinals and not with the Orioles. I still thought that was like such a sign of the glory to come, man. Those were really dark days, but you know, the thing is I have gotten to watch really good baseball the last few years. I mean, getting to watch Machado and Adam Jones and Zach Britton, I obviously will not uh, insult anybody who's listening by naming a starting pitcher, but that's been – thrilling you know I live in Los Angeles now I lived in New York before that and every year I get the MLB package I watch as many games as I can I happen to be married to a Rockies fan so we have a really wow. fun annual argument about Machado versus Arenado which I guess I need to like I need to find like a Francisco Lindor or Carlos Correa fan to have that argument with this year now that Manny is finally moving to shortstop right. but I've found my I've found my moments of bliss where I can few and far between though they may be
0: a Rockies and an Orioles fan is in the same family is very odd to me. I don't know why that combination throws me, but for some reason that combination <laughs> really, really throws me. In, in all seriousness, I mean, one of the coolest things about being a sports fan, and that's any sport—baseball, basketball, football, soccer, whatever—any sport is like getting a kid who comes up and is like amazing pretty quick, pretty quickly. Like a Francisco Lindor for Cleveland, for instance, who. Who's yeah. great? And then you get like a few years and you know, like you know for sure that Manny Machado will not be with the Orioles for much longer. I mean, that's a very, very sad truth that is that is almost certainly going to to, to come about. But that's really I mean, yes, the Orioles in, in some ways obviously in the playoffs disappointing. Uh, that Royals, you know, when they when they just race through them when actually the Orioles look like the better team. That was had to be somewhat disappointing, but it was great for people in Kansas City, by the way. I can tell you from the other (laughs) side, they loved it. That was tough. Um, But that is really cool.
1: I had the uh, honor of being uh, Rani Gazzarelli's editor at that time, as I still am, and so let me tell you, that was not fun for me.
0: Randy had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I think he was much better. uh, he, He got a lot more out of that, but you did get Manny Machado. I mean that is that is a gift. I mean that really is. It's a gift. When I was growing up, the you know, the Browns and and and, and the Indians and, and the Cavaliers were all horrendous. I mean like legendarily bad. But I could I could hold on to the fact that I got to see like Ozzy Newsom play year after year and he was such a an amazing player. Or I got to see a uh you know a young I was trying to think of a of a somebody on on Cleveland uh, you know the the Indians that was good then, and, and it's hard to find. Um, but you know the the, the basketball team had uh, young Mark Price and Ron Harper and some of these other guys. So it's cool. So that so that has been a joy, hasn't it? I mean, being around Manny Machado as a, as a fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been probably one of the two or three greatest privileges of my life as a baseball fan, but. I don't know, it's like painful for me to hear you speak in such certainty about the future. Like I, I'd i like to think that I am a rational, logical person in most facets of my everyday life. And so if this were any other player on any other team and I were having this conversation with somebody else the way that you were having it with me, I would have said basically exactly what you just said. What a privilege to have gotten to watch this guy play every day, 162 times a year for those years. But I just am not capable of thinking about it that way because like to me it represents it it just basically represents everything that is still wrong with the franchise. And I, I guess I will get over that at some point, but I am not currently able to process the all the permutations here to arrive at that point of clarity. Like I first of all cannot fully accept that it's over, even though it obviously is. I mean look. (laughs) you're talking about a guy who on players weekend last season chose mr miami as his jersey name like if the marlins weren't in such epic fire sale mode even by their own standards i would say okay he's going home he's gonna he's gonna sign with the marlins for sure that seems basically out of the question right now just based on the, the direction of that franchise but it certainly doesn't seem like the orioles think they have a chance. And that I think is the worst part. Like, it's not just that they don't have a chance. It's that they think they don't have a chance. And I don't understand why. I just don't understand why. Like, the if the franchise were managed effectively, they could spend the money. I mean, they won't. They never will. They're never going to give out a contract for that many years or that many dollars. And that's why they'll never actually be able to compete consistently. But they're also, I don't think, think ever or at least not yet going to go fully in the other direction and try to do like what the White Sox are doing and really I don't know if like we like to use the dirty word tank on this podcast but really go fully in on the rebuild it just seems like they're kind of caught in this perpetual like self-inflicted purgatory that is really tough for me to stomach and I, I guess when I think about just in broad stroke kind of like foundational terms. Why do you trade a superstar? Just not not Manny specifically, but why does a team trade a superstar? It's to get enough of a yield in return that if you are as lucky as you can possibly be, you maybe one day, deal after deal after deal, get a player like Manny Machado in return. Like that's the point. That's what everyone's working for is to get a player of his caliber. They already have him. And I feel like a, a little bit of a broken record because I've said this, like I've, I've, this is my, my pathetic little stump speech, but I just don't understand why if that's the goal and that guy is already there, you don't do absolutely everything in your power to try to keep him.
0: Well, I've long thought that that is what makes being an Oriole fan. And now I'm being somewhat serious. Uh, frustrating, <laughs> really, really frustrating. Yeah. And I, and I mean this because look, uh, I obviously I worked in Kansas city for years And, and I, I got into that mindset of what a Royals fan is thinking and what the Royals fans thought. And obviously they're just coming off of, of an extraordinary, you know, sort of once in a, once in a generation kind of, kind of run. Um, but what the, what they thought was we can't, we can't compete financially. We're, we're a small market, uh, television dollars are very small. They certainly were, uh, before, uh, that the team got good there's no money. Uh, the owner, you know, paid nothing to buy the team basically. And, and, you know, is, is comes at it from a, from a very cut uh, cut rate sort of uh, mindset. So, you know, it that's frustrating in its own way, but it's a different kind of frustrating where you understand the right. rules, you get the rules. The rules are, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, you're a Kansas City Royals fan, you're a Milwaukee Brewers fan, Cleveland to some extent, uh, you know, and there are a few others, you know, maybe the Padres, maybe some others. You just go, look, this is the market that we're in, and this is the deal we, that we have, and we can still win, but we have to do it within the, the confines of xxxx Baltimore right. could not be in that at all. There's no reason the Baltimore Orioles, that's a it's a huge market, uh yes. especially considering the deal they cut with the Nationals for television. Uh, it's a huge yes. market. With
1: the- I bring up the Masson deal every time I have this argument because that's so important. It's so important. It is.
0: It is. They've got an incredible sort of the Nationals are the small market team because of the deal right. that they worked out, and of course the Nationals spend money like crazy. Um, yeah. And and so you know the the great history, the great ballpark, the fan base, everything. There's no reason that the Orioles should be any different than say the Phillies or or you know, almost the Tigers teams that that you know maybe they're not the Yankees and Red Sox, but they're pretty much that next level for sure. And they don't act that right. way, and that is frustrating. I I do believe you don't want to be a part of a team that sort of feels smaller than they really are, and I think that that part really is frustrating. I
1: think. Yeah, and I think that that's all really well said, and I think that one of the sort of disorienting things about the last few years is that the results were really an annual contradiction of that reality in a way that created this dissonance that maybe like briefly masked that reality, but it never actually stopped being true. And something like the Machado situation really forces you to confront that again in a way that maybe you had chosen to stop confronting or to stop even acknowledging for a handful of years. And I think the other factor in addition to everything you just said is is just the player development because yeah. it's really and again like I want to be clear the Orioles are one of the like three or four most important things in my life <laughs> I love them and I will I will stand with them forever right. but it's hard for me to get like, super jazzed when i hear that they're chasing two elite pitching prospects in return for machado because when was the last time they developed a starting pitching prospect i mean i can't well, there is, there's there's like, one
0: there's a guy uh, i don't know if you've heard of him uh his his name is uh uh god what what is that guy's name uh Wanna sigh young? Um...
1: I, I can't. I, 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 this is, this is too much. That to I'm not doing This that is that to too much for me. That's not right. It's not right. It I, be... I, I shouldn't
0: have even gone down that road. I, I apologize.
1: But I, I was just going to bring up Jake Arietta because, <laughs> like, when I heard, you know, a few months ago when there were some White Sox rumors and Michael Kopeck's name was sort of coming up, I kept thinking to myself, like, oh, so this will just be. Arietta all over again they'll get a power arm that's that they just don't know what to do with they'll basically like one day on the side whisper hey I know you know that like debilitating breaking ball that hitters can't see let alone fathom how to make contact with what if you stopped just throwing? take that
0: away from him just take that away like,
1: yeah so it's just I mean I still every day wake up and say this is Dylan Bundy's year and I actually mean it when I say it, but like, I also know that it's probably not true. And every time I get a push notification about Kevin Gaussman leaving early with injury or like eating too many powdered donuts before the game and, you know, stomach cramps and whatnot, like it's just really hard to have faith that whatever they actually got in return for Manny would produce the fruits that they're hoping it would produce. So like, I I would, I'm curious, like I would love to turn your question back to you for a minute and specifically ask you about LeBron, like the whole framework of you just have to be happy that it happened. So let's like, uh, let's go into an alternate reality for a minute here where he never comes back. And like, now, you know, you're no longer in this phase where it's still possible that one day he'll return. He's not coming back. He never came back. He went to Miami, then he went right to the Lakers, okay? You've obviously written beautifully about your Cavs fandom, but specifically that idea, would you ever have actually been able to just make peace with the fact that you got to watch LeBron for a little while? Would that have ever really felt like enough for you?
0: It's a great question. It's a great question, and I have thought about it. There's no question that at the end of his Miami stretch – I had sort of made peace with the fact that I that I had gotten to see and root for this singular player. Like I'd gotten a little bit to that point. I was right. still you know with him in, and it's a little bit different than Manny, he's from Cleveland, right? He's from Akron, he's from the area. There was sort of a right. there was sort of a promise that he made whether it was you know, publicly, which I think he did say some things, but there was like an implicit promise that he was the guy that was going to end this, this drought. And he was the guy that was going to do it because, because he's so extraordinarily gifted and, 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 you know, made himself into, you know, maybe the greatest player ever. I think the greatest player ever. So I I think at some point, if you'd gone on to the Lakers and led them to three, four titles or whatever, um, you know, I think there. I never would have been able to let go of the fact that he didn't do it for Cleveland, right? I mean, that's that's that would be really, really tough. But right. I think I would have been able to say, in the same way that I think for years and years, like Chiefs fans, uh, you know, kept you know, to this day, there's there's a tremendous uh, amount of of grief because the team, you know, fails in the playoffs in spectacular. Blowing three, three lead fashions, right? But <laughs> hey, they got to see uh, Tony right. Gonzalez, right? They got to they got to root for Derek Thomas. They got to root for Priest Holmes. Right. Got to root for uh, you know in recent years for Justin Houston or or whatever. And and those guys are amazing. And and so I, I think I've gotten as I've gotten older and and have have sort of been able to put a little bit of the other stuff away. I feel like I've been able to somewhat come to grips with it. But no, I never would have fully. Been able to come to grips with it. Now, by the way, I will say I, I kind of assume he's going to leave uh, after this year, and I'm totally uh, fine yeah. with it. Totally, yeah. totally fine. He's he delivered, right? He delivered the title, and now I mean, there will be Cleveland fans that will right. be still angry at him for not staying again, but not me. Not me at all. I'm totally sure. like, do whatever you right. want, dude. You you have you have so surpassed all my hopes and expectations. Uh, live your life, you know, do, do whatever it is you want to do. And uh, so if Machado, you know, would somehow that team, it's, it's hard for me to even say, by the way, I, I have to tell you, I keep like a, a, um, like a, a sheet, like a spreadsheet, which I try to update. I'm not as good about it as I, as I would like to be, but I try to update what keeps a, a sort of active uh, lineup for every team and an active rotation and bullpen for every team. So I can always, call it up and like, look at the team at a glance. Right. So uh, so a lot of people do, I'm not saying I right.
1: invented that by the way.
0: Yeah. Um, but, but I love the Orioles because I look at the Orioles look rotation and it's just <laughs> like, it's Gossman, Tillman, Bundy, uh, you Noah, know, uh, is it, you Noah? Noah. Yeah.
1: I, I and, and I mean, and Andrew Kashner. The the savior of the off season. Oh my gosh.
0: When the when I, I I don't I don't want to go on that tangent. But when they picked up Andrew Cashner, it was like, well, of course they did. Well, sure they did. I mean, that's that was. That it, yeah, was,
1: that so was bizarre. that was peak Duquette. Really, it was peak 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 Duquette. Honestly, and this is this will just this maybe more than anything else will show you what an absolute sucker and easy mark I am. I thought it was peak Duquette kind of in a in a good way i was like yeah this makes sense to me take a guy who i've drafted who i've overdrafted in fantasy baseball like four or five years in a row who everybody else has definitely given up on give him more years and more money than anyone else would and maybe for four months trick people into thinking it worked Flip side of that is that definitely the lowest point I've had as an Oriole fan this offseason, other than just the barrage of Machado rumors, was going to uh, the Camden chat uh, Orioles blog. And, you know, the the setup of the homepage that day was basically like three tiles, you know, one main story and then two kind of of the next biggest stories. And so you see three pictures and three headlines (laughs) and they were just all, all Andrew Kashner, all three were Andrew Kashner. And I was like, what a damning indictment of the absolute dearth of activities. But I, this have, to say, My God. I
0: have to say, I'll give you I'll give uh, one more Orioles thing and then we're going to move on. Uh, I have to say, in doing this, which one of the really, really fun things is, like, I don't know every player in in the game. So uh, I discover people all the time, you know, like, oh, well, that's interesting. This guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh I did not know anything about reliever Richard Blyer. Uh, he is now my favorite player in baseball. My, favorite, yeah. <laughs> I, I literally knew nothing. Richard Blyer, you of course know this, being the Royals fan, last year pitched 63 innings, struck out 26 batters. 26 batters in 63 innings. Doesn't strike out anybody. Literally does not. In a time where everybody strikes out, he can't strike out anybody. <laughs> He's still good. Like he's still somehow good, even though he can't strike out. And because he never walks anybody either. And he doesn't give up home runs. And he, and he has like a, he's kind of like a, like a Dan Quisenberry for today. I love him. I love him. So, so I, I don't, you know, look, the Orioles, I, I, I have no, I have no beef with the Orioles. They're, they're not like the Yankees. I don't care if they win. It's fine. if Either way, I, like, I kind of like Buck Showalter a little bit. But right. I love Richard Blyer. so Richard Blyer is is my new,
1: is my new star. I love him. You, your your classic age 30 breakout candidate the Oriole way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh Richard Blyer I just I'm so happy with him so and he he there's no way it's gonna last but Two years and, and both no, no, no. years ERA's under two. I re- I realize relief pitching ERA is a stupid stat, but I don't care. It's still true. Listen, you
1: know, Britain still healing, still oh, recovering, need all the help It's flyer time.
0: It's flyer time. Forget, forget that Zach Britton. Okay, and, and you know what? I just saying Zach Britton brings up that the, the Zach Britton game. I don't want to put you through that. This is I've already
1: oh I've already God.
0: put you through so much. It's not right. It's not right. So I I have a I have a, uh, I have a pop culture uh, uh, question. Pop. I, by the way, if okay. you ever refer to something as pop culture, that means you have no idea anything about pop culture, right? I mean, if you're like, oh, I've kind of have a pop culture thought here, like, no, that's bad. Um, I support it. You, I've said this on the podcast before. I really wonder if this would work. I want to start my own Game of Thrones. Podcast specific Game of Thrones podcast because I've never seen a single minute of Game of Thrones, and I want to just I want to have it every oh week God. without ever watching Game of Thrones. Just talking about things that I kind of pick up in the air, you know, a little bit like things I might see on Twitter that make no sense to me, or things that people say. Like I don't like right. Michael has on this podcast referred uh, to the White Walkers. Uh, I kinda know what he means, sure. but not really. I really don't so do do I have an audience for that? Do I have an audience for the <laughs> for my my game of Thrones? I've never watched Game of Thrones podcast,
1: so Uh, as a a Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones enthusiast, and as someone who very recently uh, co-hosted 67 Game of Thrones podcast episodes in just a couple months, um, I can say with confidence that there is an audience for anything related to Game of Thrones, literally anything. (laughs) That's my professional assessment of the situation. Also, um, I, I think that if the now legendarily infamous Ian McShane you can beat me out here if you have to. It's just tits and dragons. Quote tells us anything. It's that uh, assessing the plot, people who don't actually understand the plot, assessing the plot usually meets with like riotous applause. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't beep anything out, by the way, on the podcast. But, but um, my wife watches. it. My, my, my wife is a is a religious, although. He, he's sort of a religious you, you'll probably appreciate this I guess there was something that happened last season not this past season but the season before that that sort of turned off a bunch of of uh of Game of Thrones I'm like I don't understand why all I know about Game of Thrones is that somebody <laughs> important dies every week right or at least one maybe several <laughs>
1: um and so yeah.
0: well I, I don't Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why this, like, like every episode doesn't turn off game of Thrones people, but I guess something particularly egregious, maybe a rape or something like that was particularly egregious. And she said, I'm never watching it again. That was it. She was like, she's like, I'm walking away from game of Thrones, but it's lasted. Like it didn't even last like throughout the whole next week. I mean, I think that by Tuesday of the next week, she already was back on board, but, but I guess there was something that happened there. Um, But yeah, it, Here's the other thing that I would ask you about game of Thrones and and really all of the things sure. that you binge mode um once you fall behind on these things, whatever it is uh I was way behind on the wire, okay, and I just finally decided mm-hmm. one day sure. that's it I've got to binge it, I've got to because i i the people who I know and respect and and love uh. They all know what's going on, and, and I, I I don't have any idea what's going on, and it's wrong, and and, and I have to do it, so I right. did. I binge watched it, in like whatever, I, it was actually during the uh, London Olympics, so I binge watched it in that two weeks essentially. Um, it was great, okay. and I love it now. Of course, a, a huge fan. We had uh, Jonathan Abrams on here uh, just a couple weeks ago. Talked, and we did a little.
1: My farmer uh, colleague, great guy, great book, Jonathan,
0: and amazing book. Uh, all the pieces matter for for those of you that haven't yet uh jonathan uh he's your former colleague he is my neighbor he literally just moved in our neighborhood just i get a text from him saying his wife uh was at a book club meeting and and heard that i lived in the neighborhood so that's literally how we met he lived like eight hours for me oh man Uh, but anyway uh i've also done this with uh, breaking bad because i felt like i had to uh not as not, it's Absolutely. amazing it's amazing but not as good an experience as the 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 wire binge because uh, it took me to a very very dark
1: place <laughs> like
0: it was I don't think that's a show yes. that should be where's where's the
1: wire is positively <laughs> that's, that's my point
0: but my point is the wire as down, <laughs> as down as it is is like still like it's like it's like disney compared to to breaking bad uh, and then I and then I binge watched uh, Mad Men um, uh, because I told I, I had to, uh, mm. which all that made me think is that all men are are jerks. But but it was still whatever you know it was fine, uh, and it was very fun and and enjoyable. Uh, when I need to know because I'm now behind on everything. I've literally not seen any since any of those shows. So right. if I have to binge something, what should I binge? What is? I'm not going to binge Game of Thrones. That that's just not going to happen. So.
1: But you have to.
0: Okay, Here's let me, why.
1: Let me give you the sales pitch, okay? Let me give you the throne sales pitch. We, and we we have uh, one, of our, one of our wonderful young writers, Alison Herman, uh, the Ringer's uh, television critic, wrote this piece heading into uh, season seven of Game of Thrones. And, it, and the thesis was in essence, other than Star Wars, Game of Thrones is the last bit of uh, monoculture that exists. Period. And I think that's true. Like, I don't I I think that, okay, we are in the era of peak TV, which is part of why the, the sensation that you're describing is so common, you know, where people feel like they're constantly looking at some sort of device, you know, a cell phone, a computer, a 4k TV, and they're constantly watching something, streaming something. And yet they always feel like they're missing out on what the person, you know, next to them on the subway or at the next desk at work is talking about that day. How can that be? It's because there's just so much, you know, there was a, I saw a headline earlier today. I didn't get to read the piece yet, but that's, I believe it said Netflix is working on 700 pieces of original programming for next year. Like, I I almost wonder if that was a typo or I misread it because it's like obviously just such an eye-popping number. But Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, all the networks, there is just so much product. And we're about to get to the phase where Apple and all these other creators are getting into the content generation game as well. So Game of Thrones... Remains the only bit of television that I think you can confidently count on having a conversation with somebody else about that next day at work. And I still think that's a really cool experience. You know, for me, one of the things that Jason Concepcion, my binge mode co host, and I talk about on the podcast a lot with Game of Thrones and and we're about to do binge mode Harry Potter this spring. And we talk about it a lot with like with fantasy and sci-fi in in particular, but really just with stories that we love in general, one of the most satisfying things about fandom. And I I think that this applies, you know, to, to sports too. We were sort of just talking about it is feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself, feeling like you're getting to witness something that you have an actual stake in, even though you have no part in it. And that's like a pretty, I think, increasingly rare feeling in this digital age of just content saturation. And on top of all of that, on top of just the value and and the the sheer joy of being able to like share an experience with people, Game of Thrones is just like really fun and really good. It is just a great story. I mean, I, I would certainly, as I always do, I would advocate reading the books. Um, you as a long-suffering sports fan will be right at home waiting for the rest of the novels that will probably never come and just the scope of the story the world building the character development the consistent subverting of expectations to the point where you have to stop saying the expectations are being subverted because they've been subverted so many times it's just really inventive storytelling and fun and moving in turn it's it's great and also even though it's sixty-seven episodes deep at this point, and it's you know they're true hours because it's HBO, and some of the episodes from last season are longer than that, it's about as bingeable as anything that's ever existed. I mean, you can fly through it, and then you can listen to binge mode. We'll we'll be there right with you, sharing the experience. Your guides through the the snowy abyss as winter comes at last into the Poznansky household. Other than that, have you watched no. Black Mirror yet? No, I I, I look. You got to watch Black Mirror. That so would be my you're, recommendation. You're for saying
0: a binge. that's after I binge mode uh, uh, the Game of Thrones, or or that yeah, you're yeah you're, okay
1: okay. I need you caught up with Game of Thrones for season eight, so that you can participate in this beautiful journey with the rest of humanity before the White Walkers wipe us out at last. And and then when you're ready for something else, I think I think Black Mirror is, while certainly the audience is well, we don't know because we don't know Netflix numbers, but it it doesn't quite feel the way that game of thrones feels like appointment television because it's a streaming show so it all goes up at once you don't really have that week-to-week conversation that you're sustaining over time but i think that black mirror is probably one of the most thought provoking and compelling both in in terms of the, the visuals the aesthetics the casting the writing it's like really versatile and diverse every episode feels different the tone kind of there's this dance where the tone shifts pretty drastically episode to episode but the best episodes have this through line where they all feel like they're really of a piece and asking the same questions about what it means to be human in this day and age i i would highly recommend that all right all right i'm
0: i'm, I'm I really the the exciting part for me would be to to really get to fully appreciate binge mode uh, is is really <laughs> really the main the main draw for me uh, but uh well, I, but here's the other thing. here's the other thing. So I am a huge and I've written about this many times, a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. so I've read uh the books yes. three times because I read it the first time, and then I read it to my older daughter, uh, and I've read the first four to my youngest daughter. Uh, and we'll probably at some point read the last three, although she's getting to an age now where she can read for herself. But essentially I've right. I read these and love it. The movies don't, don't move me as much, <laughs> but they're fine. They're fine. Right. They are, they're fine for what they are. Uh, but I love it. Okay. So I love that. So, so put that into the, into the corner of love. Um, the whole Lord of the Rings thing, no use for Yeah. nothing. Can't, Oh, interesting. Why, why not? I don't know. I don't know. It just never, like I tried to watch the first movie and I, I told Mike uh, five minutes in, I was like, "What? what's happening? What? What is this? And, and I just had no, and I've tried to like read the books and they do nothing to mm-hmm. me and I can't get into them. So I don't know what, I don't know where the gap is between Lord of the Rings and, and, uh, and, and, harry potter obviously they're very different but i just don't know why one right. is so compelling to me and the other is so uncompelling to me and i've always i think i've always put game of thrones in the lord of the rings pile is that is that fair yeah Probably fair right
1: yeah i think if you had to group it with one or the other that would be the closer match um i i do think that the a song of ice and fire books are are pretty unlike anything else. I mean, when George R. R. Martin started writing them, and he's, he's said this in many interviews over the years, he was specifically seeking to write something that can never be adapted, which I, I think gives you a sense of just the the scope, how sweeping it is, how vast it is. And of, of course, there's like a reason he hasn't finished it. There are so many storylines and so many characters and so many things in play at this point. I think Lord of the Rings is certainly more contained and maybe a little more quintessential in terms of the, you know, the core fantasy themes, you know, even the, the smallest person can make a difference in the world. I think those are beautiful ideas and some of my favorite things about the genre. I think the thing, I mean, Harry Potter is my absolute favorite story in the world. And it, I think will never stop being my favorite story in the world, no matter how many times I read the books. And I, I truly have lost count at this point. Um, it's just thrilling for me every time to return to that world and to spend time with those people. And I think that one of the things that makes it such a singular achievement is that while it is in many ways classic fantasy storytelling, it is also... Inventive, inventive, and accessible in a way that many, many other stories in the genre are not. And I think that's why a lot of people who would not traditionally label themselves as fantasy fans love the story. You know, it is, it is, and and again, this is true of of a lot of good fantasy stories. But I think it is really, really true with Harry in a way that is like specific and and a little unique. It's a story about loss and about heartache and about. desperate desire to feel like you belong and to find love and to understand your purpose in the world. And I I think that even if you don't care about dragons or wand waving, if you have a heart and a soul, you're going to respond to a story like that if you give it a chance. And then, you know, beyond that, she is just such an incredible writer. Like I, every time I return to the stories, I'm just in awe. The, the, the turns of phrase, her wit. I mean, the books are so funny and they are also so dark. And I think the, one of the many master strokes is the way that the books grow with Harry and the evolution of the story, that moment in Goblet of Fire and the, the fourth book, the climax of that book, where you realize not only how brilliantly plotted it was, oh, yeah. that, I mean, that climax is a true work of genius, but what she has done and how she has repositioned the entire series moving forward, I, you know, I'm fascinated to hear you and I've always been fascinated to you and other people talk about reading Harry Potter to their children and it's something that Jason and I are actually giving a lot of thought as we prepare to do the podcast on Harry Potter is will we'll kids be listening to this because we are in general like pretty blue with our humor a lot of sex jokes and as, as is natural for uh, sure. you know a, a podcast that started by talking about Game of Thrones and we've gotten a lot of notes from people saying I'd love to listen to this with my kids um, can you guys curse less and you know things of that nature and we're we're really we're just always so fascinated by that. We recently launched a, a Facebook group for Binge Mode fans. And one of the the most popular conversations that's happening in there already is listeners of the podcast talking to each other about sharing Harry Potter with their children. And that moment when they decided the ki- their kids were ready and sort of trying to balance, like making sure that they could be the gateway for their children and, and stories like this and guaranteeing that the story wouldn't be spoiled for them, that they would get it early enough that this could be this bond, this shared experience together, this like formative literary journey to take as parent and child, but also not wanting to like scar their children for life because, you know, you get to Deathly Hallows. That is dark. That is about dark as it gets. Yeah,
0: no, it's all true. It's all true. One of the things that I find fascinating about Harry Potter is so I read Harry Potter, obviously, as an adult, uh, you know, I, I think the first book or second book, uh, you know, my, my oldest daughter was already born, I mean, or, or close to it, it's certainly by the third or fourth book. Uh, so I was reading it as an adult and as a parent the first time, and then I read it to her. Uh, and then I read it to uh, Katie, our, our youngest. And you know, it, it's amazing. To, it's it's an amazing bonding experience. It's amazing to see what they latch yeah. on to compared to what you latch on to. Uh, you know, very very interesting who their favorite characters are and 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 all of that. Um, but now we're at the stage where people who grew up reading the book are having kids and are you know they now it's it's like okay. it's like different. It's I think that takes it to a. Whole other level because I didn't get that experience because obviously the book books weren't around. But I mean, when Elizabeth, you know, gets you know, she's already you know too old for my taste. But but when she gets older and goes on to her (laughs) life, I mean, this was this was a defining moment of her childhood was us sitting there reading all seven Harry Potter books night after night after night after night and. so when she, you know, wants to read them to her children, uh, it'll just mean something different. I, I find that to be, you know, both depressing that that so much time has already gone by, but fascinating. Yeah, I find definitely. that to be utterly fascinating. And, and I don't think there's anything that I've read. Like, I like, like, um, uh, The Name of the Wind, right? The Patrick uh, Rothfuss uh, series.
1: Yeah, King, The Kingkiller so, right. Chronicle. That, yeah. I guess...
0: Uh, is also about to be made into some sort of television, or Lin Manuel uh, seemed to be to be involved in making yeah. music. Very exciting, and I love that. And I think it's also brilliantly written and wonderful. It's not Harry Potter though; like nothing is Harry Potter as far as I can tell. As far as the depth of the characters, uh, I'm not interested that much in the magic. I mean, you know, the, there's a lot of fun magic in it. And the Time Turners fun, and the, and all the other things, but. It is. It's the. I mean, I'm fascinated by the goofiest relationships in it. I mean, I you know obviously there's the the Harry and, and Hermione and, and and Ron relationship. Uh There's the Snape relationship. There's this that and the other. But I'm like interested in like the relationship between you know Harry and Dobby. You know, I mean, just like <laughs> yeah, crazy. You know, I mean, it, it, there's just so much in there. Uh It's it's. I don't think it's like anything else. I and so. So I don't know how we got onto that, but I'm so glad that we did get onto that part of
1: it. I'm so glad that we did too. And, you know, as you're thinking about your daughter and, you know, your, your daughters and your, your eventual grandchildren, just remember what Dumbledore said, you know, youth cannot know how age thinks and feels, but old men are guilty if they forget what it is to be young. That's true. true.
0: By the way, Dumbledore, I would <laughs> get to a <the> huge <laughs> argument with my daughter, uh, Elizabeth, the older one. Uh because she said we we, 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 as we often do, somebody somehow brought up Harry Potter, and uh, she said, well, "Who's your favorite character in Harry Potter?" And I said, "Dumbledore is. Dumbledore is my favorite character." Uh, and she was like, she was outraged, just outraged. She you know,
1: Wow. Dumbledore
0: fan at all? I'm I know, I know. Are you shocked that I? Is my all. favorite,
1: or shocked that she doesn't like Dumbledore? Uh, both. Both, because I think you know, as is so often the case, the truth is like somewhere in the middle, right? He's a he's an yeah. extremely complex character in a way that, again, I think is a real testament to her brilliance as a storyteller. It's, would be it would uh, spoiler alert here for anyone listening who hasn't finished. It would just would be so easy to make him the sage infallible guide who never fails and everything we learn about him in deathly hallows like i think there's that initial experience where you're pretty jarred and you feel a little let down but ultimately i just found his arc so fulfilling and so true to life people are yeah. not perfect people make mistakes and when you understand somebody's history and somebody's motivations you just have a new appreciation for why they would behave the way that they do I, I'm, I'm curious i don't want to uh, uh, turn this fully into a harry potter podcast i mean i do i always do but i <laughs> I, I know that's not what you want um are you, if Dumbledore is your favorite and if you're such a Harry fan, are you following along with the Fantastic Beast movies? Are you invested in the young Dumbledore arc? Are you a Jude Lawhead? Uh, I am fascinated uh, by him. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I
0: it's one of those weird things where, to me, and, and I think about this in a lot of different books, you know, if you, do I want the prequel? Do I want the sequel? Do I, I, I like what's contained within the book. I like the mm-hmm. old, Dumbledore, who has already fought his battles, uh, made his mistakes, trying at at the very end to sort of to sort of do do one last bit of good, you know. And and uh, and I would not be interested in Dumbledore if he was if he was this just a sage old man. Like there are times throughout that he says stuff, and you're like he's just he's just a bumbling idiot. I mean, there's you know. I mean, there are times that you're just like that's ridiculous. Yeah. What is he talking about? Um, and i think that's great i think that's part of the genius of that character is that he is complex and right. he did make mistakes and he doesn't always know what's going on but he does know more than you think he does i just i just so love that but look i mean it's not it's not a it's not a you know he's my favorite character i mean hermione is my favorite character on other days you know what i mean i just love they could have just made her into just this Smarty pants, you know, kind of, and they the, the the depth that they took her uh from beginning to end is just extraordinary. She's just a different person at the end, in a way that I don't even know that Harry is a different person. Um, sure, Harry,
1: I mean, I think as as is so often the case, the main character is the
0: the least interesting in a lot of ways. yeah
1: <laughs> Often, yeah. And yeah. yeah. I mean, I love really Harry. whiny He's in complex. five. He
0: gets really whiny, so so i don't yes
1: though i i ride for that i ride hard (laughs) for the choice to lean fully into the teenage angst because even though he is a brat i feel like I don't know. That's always felt very true to me that he would be that he would be behaving that way after the things that he witnessed at the end of the prior book, and the things that he's had to do, and the 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 hardship that he just simply cannot escape. Like you'd prefer that he be a little nicer to Ron and Hermione, <laughs> but I don't know. Like kids are assholes, oh, right? No, and especially kids who have the way. It's totally
0: true. It's totally true to to form. I actually found I was a little more bothered by what they turned Ron into in book seven because I didn't think he had the right. Like Harry has the right to be as big a jerk as he wants, right? I mean, it's you know when you when you right. start off with like you know uh, basically them them ready to sacrifice you at, at the very beginning of the book, all the way through to the end, just just it never really catching a break ever. Like throughout the entire throughout the entire series. Um, I get it. Uh, it just, you know, I, I, after a little while, it's like, all right, let's, let's go on. Let's move on. Mike is not here for me to tell him this thing, but I, this is something very important for me that I wanted to tell him. Uh, I wanted to take a moment to tell him about The Cut Forecast. The Cut Forecast is the podcast from the staff of MLB.com's Cut four section and focuses on the lighter side of baseball. Those cut four guys, they were just on the podcast, like last week. Yeah, the, the crazy uh, Cespedes barbecue guys. Jessica, last week, Jessica Kleinschmidt catch, catches up, caught up with Reds reporter Jim Day about his recent in game interview with Joey Votto. He did an interview in game. How cool is that? To find the show, search Cut Forecast. That's C U T number four cast, C A S T in Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found this podcast. And then all you have to do is click subscribe. All right, we have a draft. This is so exciting. We have a draft uh, that, we, that we have to do. Uh, we are drafting, and we are going to have okay. Mike uh, judge this next week. We are drafting characters, oh characters my God. Uh, on The Good Place. And, and I was thinking about this. Um, the problem with <laughs> what we're doing is we will have to, at least somewhat, uh, give away some of the good place. Right. And Mike is always very careful on this, on this sh- podcast. Uh, he's like, Oh, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, I want everybody to watch it beginning to end. I get it. He's not on this week. So, uh, too bad for him. Um, we are, drafting, we are drafting <laughs> good place characters, the good place to show, uh, Thursdays on NBC, Michael shore, uh, is the executive producer and creator of the show. Uh, and you have the first pick.
1: All right, let me let me ask you a couple ground rule questions here. Should I in terms of thinking about this thought experiment, should I be thinking about it as like our teams are actually going to play head to head? Like are we battling Or is this like we're entering some sort of wider league? Also, are the rules of the game the same? Are there certain positions that I have to fill? Or is that part of the strategy that I get to decide which positions are most vital? Are other people, like are other bodies going to round out my roster? You know, are my good place five joining another team? Or is it just five on five, like stickball?
0: Here, here is the best part of the podcast draft. Uh, we never thought about any of those questions. You just asked 12 questions that we have never even considered <laughs> thinking about. So, um, so here's the answer to all those questions. It's whatever you want to be. Do. We don't care. Uh, you know, okay. sometimes Mike and I are competing, and and at the end he'll, like, scream at me because his team is so much better than my team. Uh, and sometimes we draft, we seem to be sort of co-drafting, like some sort of big universal thing I don't know you know what those are um it's whatever you want it's like it's if you want to pick your five favorite I'll tell you what when I had the the wire draft with with uh with Jonathan (laughs) I said okay well listen I'm going to just draft my favorite characters on the wire which is the way I viewed it he viewed it as he wanted the five guys that would like destroy all the other teams right he wanted the five toughest guys uh,
1: on the team I respect that mindset. You know, when The Ringer recently held a uh, superhero fantasy draft, uh, I came armed with a custom spreadsheet that I had uh, assembled the night before. It was color-coded by category, and there were rankings overall and within each category. So just so you know, that's that's how I approach this stuff. That said, I've given this zero thought until this very moment. So here we go. Okay, I have the first pick. I am taking Janet,
0: wow. number one overall. Wow, that's a reach, it's a reach for Here's Janet why. this
1: high. <laughs> Here's why. I'm certain, I am certain that I have taken the most versatile player. And it, entering into this this reality that is just a product of your imagination. I don't know what I'm going to find each day (laughs) out on the field in the locker room. I don't know what chaos awaits. I need someone who can adapt and Janet can adapt literally better than anyone in the universe. Janet also has all of the knowledge of the universe and because of all of her reboots, she also has gained emotional intelligence. Now, granted, every now and then these emotions will lead to thumbs floating off into space <laughs> or earthquakes in the neighborhood. And that's, right. you know, candidly not ideal. But I'm willing to opt in to a little bit of unpredictability because I know that she is a leader, she is a gamer. All of that knowledge, you know what that is? That means I don't need anyone else on my team worrying about scouting reports. She knows what every pitcher throws. She's got all the splits committed to memory instantly. She can look up any platoon advantage that I need her to. She's not only going <laughs> to be my team manager. She's going to be my catcher. She's calling the game. She's my okay. backstop. Wow. I think wow. I'm going to win based uh, on that pick alone. Last thing here, because I I would be remiss if I did not mention this. Janet, now, you know, spoiler alert here, good Janet, my Janet, knows how to impersonate bad Janet. And that means that she is capable of dropping one of Janet's signature epic farts that linger for so long. Years and years, thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe millions of years. And I think that if those farts are powerful enough to upend a demon, they're probably going to be potent enough to disturb my competition for nine and eight. Tough
0: to argue. Tough to argue with the with the Janet logic. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, I think we, we you're clearly only getting – Good Janet, you are not getting. You are not getting bad Janet in, in this in this draft. Okay, uh, and also right. uh, one big issue with Janet, there are like a thousand Janets, a billion Janets. There's like, you could just make a Janet. I could just make a Janet. That's that's an.
1: No, <laughs> my Janet is special. My Janet knows how to love. My Janet has created her own boyfriend, and that boyfriend has wind chimes as genitals. My Janet is an yeah, that's,
0: I, I'm, I'm all right. That's, I, I'll, we'll let, well, Hey, this, this is not for me to decide. I think it's a reach. I'm just, I'm saying, all right, I am going to go um, with my first pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael uh, just because uh, he invented the whole thing. He's uh, he seems to be someone certainly, obviously, you know, He's immortal. He's a demon. He can do, uh, many demon things. He is, he is a demon who seems to be able to learn how to be, uh, a non-demon and, and seems to have, uh, various bits of good in him. Uh, he can at any point he wants, uh, destroy Janet and and has killed Janet many, 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 many times, uh, which makes that Janet pick sort of, sort of just knocks the Janet pick right out. Um, And he can erase memories. He's got like all kinds of of skills that would make him uh, pretty difficult to overcome. Uh, So I'm going to go with my first pick. I'm going to take Michael.
1: Here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing (laughs) I'm going to opt in to the guy who failed so colossally (laughs) so many times that after lying to his boss, he actually had to betray all of demon kind and align with the human beings he had devoted his entire existence to torturing. Such was the extent of his shame and his failure. And that's you're taking number one overall on your team. That's fine. That's that's your strategy. (laughs)
0: What my strategy is built around the fact that that here is someone who who said there's a new way to do things. There's a new way. I'm going to I'm going to try a, a new way. And in in his in his arc of discovery, uh, trying this new way, the bold new attempts that he he had, uh, he came upon a bigger and greater purpose. And and I that's the kind of person that I want on my team.
1: If I may quote Michael <laughs> quoting Eleanor, you're basic! All right. All right. We shall okay. see. Okay. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Let me think about this. My second pick. <sighs> hmm. This is already really hard. Give me... Give me Eleanor. Give me Eleanor. All right. Here's why. Okay. I need someone who's willing to get a little dirty I need a go-getter I need somebody who despite a lifetime of feeling alone and betrayed still has the courage to go into the grocery store and get a jumbo plate of shrimp and some lonely girl margarita mix I need a character who time and time again outsmarted your number one pick <laughs> by deducing that he was duping them who somehow every time every scenario minus the one uh there's the one the butt reboot there's the one just overhearing at the door right away and there's the one Jason figured it out really Jason yeah. Ah, that one hurts. Every other time, I believe, she figures it out. She's smart. She sees the whole board, you know, not necessarily a model student, but proof ultimately that if you're in the right system, any player can be developed. She's got the tools. You know, she's an 80 on the scouting scale, everywhere I need her to be. And I just need someone like Janet to help her figure out how to channel that raw potential into useful production on the field. Give me, Eleanor, my team captain well she's gonna have to be your team captain because
0: obviously she's not going to listen to anyone else uh so you just she's you a leader. just picked up your your team cancer so i am glad that that you have that and and clearly with with her and janet on the team you you have some some very uh you you got some problems that's all i'm saying is you, you have you have a few problems
1: but you know, fine. Michael, Michael is legendary for
0: his bedside dinner. A fine pick to pick Eleanor, uh, especially because at this point there will not be a pick taken from here on in that will not have very significant problems. Let's just, let's just be honest about that. So um, with my second pick, um, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't want, I don't want any of these people. Um,
1: this is already really yeah.
0: hard. You know what I'm gonna do? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just because because I know how you feel, in order to block you, I'm gonna take Cheaty. I'm just gonna take Cheaty because of how much You no! love Chidi. <laughs> I figured that I could fix a trade oh later. My God. Uh, I, I I'm hurts. taking Cheidi, obviously Cheaty, uh not necessarily uh, the decision maker that I want behind uh, center uh, of, of my of my football team. Uh, however, uh, good soul clearly has uh, uh, he's, he's obviously very, very smart, depth of character, uh, just in, intently interested in doing the right thing and the good thing uh, to the point often of being frozen. Uh, but uh, that's the kind of guy. He's a good character guy. I want good character people on my team, especially to make up for the fact that I have a demon with my first pick. So I'm going to go with
1: Chidi as uh-huh. my second pick. Yeah. I feel compelled to <laughs> note that after you just accused me of drafting a clubhouse cancer in Eleanor, you picked a character who, literally, again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler warning, who is in. The bad place because his crippling anxiety and indecision in life made everybody around him so him. miserable that it ultimately led to his own death. That is what you just, I'm just saying. I, By I, the I, way, raw material, I can work with him. If you're looking, listen, listen. <laughs> we're in the platoon age, we're in the shifting age, you need a flexible roster, you've only got five players, and here's who you just picked. You picked a guy who you can literally only put at third base. You can only play Chidi at the hot corner because it's the only position where his the reaction time necessary to play the position will force him to overcome his crippling, debilitating inability to ever actually come to a conclusion on his own. Otherwise, he's just going to take the baseball to the head. He will not be as good that. fielding
0: when there are runners on base and there are more than one base to throw to. I, I'm granting you that.
1: He will definitely <laughs> never swing the bat. He's your new Chris Davis. Just a lot of strikeouts looking. Uh, he, Congratulations on $160 million. I can work, dollars I can work with him.
0: I can work with him. All right. All right <laughs> then, you know what? You have a third pick. I'm looking at this board.
1: Let's Let's see <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. This is tough. Okay. <laughs> give me... Oh, boy. Give me Jason Mendoza. Give me Blake Bortles. Give me Jake Jornals. <laughs> I need a guy who believes, okay? I need a guy who believes so fully in his passions that he wore a teal and black Blake Bortles jersey regularly in life and in the afterlife before the Jaguars were actually good. The courage that is necessary for such conviction. I need that on my team. Also, I have watched Jason Mendoza throw more than one Molotov cocktail, (laughs) and I know that he has the arm. To lead my rotation, yeah. he has the Noah Syndergaard like delivery, the fire, the heater that I need out on the mound. Give me Jason Mendoza. My team is rounding out nicely here. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my squad. I,
0: I cannot believe you could look at the three people that you have and feel good in any conceivable way, and and taking I feel great. <laughs> And taking Jean Yu with the with the third pick, I mean no player has ever been easier to to overcome no player has ever first of all, all you need to do is wear a Jaguar's jersey to the plate, and he won't even pitch he will he has no he is crippled uh by his love of the jaguars and listen
1: he he had to play as the Titans in the video game and he eventually sort of kind of did it. So I believe
0: he he did not do it at all. And, um, he, he's also astonishingly stupid. I I mean, it's astonishingly stupid. So, so I'm not really sure how that's going to work out for your, for your club. He's not coachable. He's not someone who's going to help your team in any way. Um, but that's all right. That's all right. That's your
1: third pick. That's fine. Um, I... Listen, I will, I will just, just – I, I feel compelled to make one more point, yes. which is yes. if I can quote the person who I assume will be your next pick, Okay. sexy skyscraper Tahani herself, <laughs> let's never forget that Jason is, quote, quite good at sex. Yes. That's important, right? He has, as she notes – zero self-awareness yeah. and that is an important quality sometimes when you're out there performing in public a lot of pressure a lot of stress what if you don't have the awareness to even think about the pressure to even think about the stress you're gonna go in and get the job done journals <laughs> all right that is
0: that that was just that was that was sad effort to to respect <laughs> but that's okay that's uh yes, of course. With my third pick, uh, I think about going uh, off the board uh, for for one of the more minor characters, but I don't think that's fair uh, to Tahani. So I'm going to take Tahani and 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 just hope that she um, uh, has you know she she knows she she knows a lot of people. Uh, she has a lot of ins in various uh, places. Uh, she uh, has has achieved. Quite a lot in her life, despite her her never living up to her sister's uh, fame. Uh, so you know we're gonna we're gonna take Tahani and kind of hope for the best. To be perfectly honest with you,
1: here's what's gonna happen. Okay. and I, I say this with nothing but love for Tahani and sincere admiration for her rare beauty. Sure. I as your opponent or anyone facing you at any point. I am going to either, or perhaps both, put a picture of her sister Camilla up on the Jumbotron or play some of Camilla's music over the loudspeaker and Tahani will wilt, wilt, overcome by her insecurities and her inferiority complex. She will be unable to even dress that day, unable to even leave locker room and we're talking about somebody who chose in her ultimate confrontation with her parents to mention as some sort of trump card that she enjoyed finally eating a cheeto you know that's what you just opted into again i mean listen you get to make your own choices you get to build the kind of team you want to build i i see potential for growth there i see her
0: breaking away breaking away from her past breaking away from her her crippling uh, inferiority complex uh, to her sister, uh, and and using her her extreme beauty and height, by the way, uh, to to make uh, to make our team just a little bit better.
1: You see, two thousand seventeen, Aaron Judge, and I see Aaron Judge in the minors. That's what I see. You're gonna get more. Celebrity name drops from Tahani in one game than base hits in an entire season. Congratulations. (laughs) All right. You have the fourth pick. All right. I'm excited about this one. I you've let Uh you somehow let a shining star fall a precious snowflake. And I call her a snowflake deliberately because snow looks like cocaine and I will be drafting Mindy St. Clair. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well of course you will.
1: Who has spent her afterlife alone with nothing but chronic masturbation and a desperate, desperate longing for cocaine as company. Yes. When I finally put Mindy Sinclair out on the field, when I unleash her, into the world and put her around other people. Let her smell the fresh air. Let her run her hand along the grass. And again, this is all before she gets the cocaine. She is going to be an unstoppable force, a spark plug that inspires and unites. She has also, it must be, it must be noted, a bit more of an organizational mind then maybe we would have originally given her credit for, you know, spoiler. But when, when we get one of our many Eleanor and Chidi trips there this time, Eleanor's there and they're talking and Mindy's like, yeah, here are all the other things that happened all the other times you've been here. Mindy was taking notes. That means that Mindy is scouting the competition. She knows what to look for. She's going to be able to spot tendencies I feel great about Mindy with my fourth pick. Well, the,
0: the great thing about having Mindy uh, on this team is she will never, ever play for your team ever. She is never leaving the house. That's no chance you will ever get her out there. Even with cocaine, you are never getting her out of the house. Uh, and then assuming that you could get her out of the house with cocaine, um, she would then be a player on your team who is using cocaine. So I don't see how this is going to help your team in any way. Uh, it is going to get you. Uh,
1: Come on. You watched baseball in the <laughs> 80s. Come on. I
0: saw what cocaine did to Dave Parker. That's what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is you are getting the non-good Dave Parker. So, so that's that's not helping. That is not helping your club. So,
1: I believe that Mindy would respond admirably well to her newfound freedom and to having stimuli other than Cannonball Run and her
0: homemade porno. That's all she wants. That's all she wants. She wants to be there. That's all she really wants in life. All right. It's it's obviously a terrible pick. But at this point, I don't think there are anything but terrible picks. (laughs) So with my fourth pick, uh, I'm going to go... I need need someone who can plot. I, I feel like I don't have sort of a... A someone who can who can work the back channels, uh, someone someone who I, I, I feel like can can really move, motivate, uh, and 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 work some work some magic. So I'm going to take a uh, real Eleanor, uh, slash Vicky with my oh 40. my god, oh my god, uh, I, <laughs> I feel I feel like Vicky, uh, you know, there's there's a strength to Vicky, uh, real Eleanor. First of all, she's she's a very gifted actress, which can also uh, help the club in, in various ways. Uh, she's uh, someone who uh, has the, you know, she she wants to be a star, and, and I want those kinds of people on my team. I want people on my team that have the ambition to, to be the star, to be in charge. Uh, I want that sort of level of ambition, uh, so I am going to go with uh, real Eleanor.
1: You see ambition, and I see the kind of greed that was so all-consuming and so blinding. It allowed her, dare I say led her, to undo and compromise an operation literally unrivaled in all of history. That is who you want on your team. She's not interested helping her fellows she's not interested in the the sum of the parts she's not interested in really anything other than testing out a new limp or getting some more lines you took a greedy player who's always going to try for the extra base you took someone who's going to get thrown out at third that's what you did Wait a minute, you just took Mindy St.
0: Clair, and you're now lecturing me on people who are greedy and, and don't care about anybody
1: else? Really? Mindy's not, Mindy's not greedy. How is Mindy oh. greedy? Mindy, her last act was to create a charitable foundation. That's that, beautiful. That Mindy is a demon. That she never would have done, ever,
0: had she lived. I think we all
1: also, can clearly say that. Um Also. Mindy is smart, and Vicky is such an easy mark that she was tricked by the something, something, something Janet bit. And I have Janet, which means I have somebody who has proven more than once she's capable of helping to bring Vicky down. Vicky's not even a player on the board. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Wow. All right. You basically just selected someone for the major league roster who was just sent down to, to I, single I life. am
0: more than happy to match up uh, uh, Real
1: Eleanor against uh, Mindy St. Clair any day of the week. Any day of the week. Great. Likewise. Bring it. All right. It's time <laughs> for my final pick. Wow. Slim Pickens here. Hmm. Okay. I have three people I'm considering. Okay. All, ter- all, all terrifying, but thrilling in their own ways. I think I will go with, uh, give me Derek. Uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> give me Derek. Yeah. Everybody else is, is has failed too many times. I need, I need someone who just sees possibility. I need, also I need someone who has proven before that he can work well with Mindy. She was thrilled with the wind chimes, absolutely thrilled. And I need somebody who, while admittedly there's a complicated history with Janet, yeah. ultimately speaks the same language as Janet, shares a void with Janet, knows how to exist with Janet. Also, Eleanor really has a, a an expert sense of how to get the best out of Derek. You know, tell Derek, when he needs to drive the train out of the good place, out of the neighborhood. Tell Derek how many satchels full of cocaine he needs to carry on his person at a given moment. Tell Derek when he shouldn't be up in the tree anymore. I think that Derek, while raw, admittedly, he's just a really a bundle of potential right now, I think that Derek has shown the ability to take notes and. To improve, and I'm excited about Derek as a as a bit of a prospect, but a prospect who I think has all five tools.
0: He has five tools, all right. That 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 part is not is not untrue. <laughs> you have just taken uh, someone who uh, Janet uh, created, and then basically yes. had to put yes. into a box uh, because he was such a disaster. He's he's disastrous on about every conceivable level. With a complicated history, with your number one overall pick, who will be thrilled to know that you are also bringing Derek along. I'm sure that'll make her just thrilled. I think she will be thrilled. I don't think she's think going she to be, will thrilled. be thrilled. I, don't I think, think so. that. I really don't.
1: You know, Derek is 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 of Janet. He's literally a part of her. And you know, relationships are complicated. Life isn't easy. Neither is love. But part of janet's growth has really been embracing that embracing what it means to be human and i think having janet and derek continue to coexist will be a challenge that ultimately they're both the better for in the end yeah
0: that's not gonna work
1: all right so i have my fifth pick also i need a middle <laughs> infielder and he seems like a he middle does feel middle infielder so.
0: i'll give you that he, he definitely seems seems like he could do that um <laughs> All right, I don't like any of my choices for my, for my fifth pick, obviously. Uh, but I'm just going to, because I don't like uh, any of these choices at all. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to counter your number one overall pick and take bad Janet for my fifth pick. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. bad Janet has all of the, uh, all of the talents and abilities of good Janet. She just won't ever do it at all for my team ever. Uh, so that's a negative. I'm, I'm granting right up front that it is negative that I can't get her to do anything other than uh, that other than uh, lay out uh, some serious gas. Um, but but maybe <laughs> if I can work with her, maybe if we can work with her as a team, uh, th- you might be able to get through her. There's at least some untapped potential there, which I don't see with anybody else on the board. So I am going to go with bad Janet with my fifth pick.
1: Phenomenal. I appreciate you handing me, formally handing me the victory at the end. You have drafted a team defined by indecision, toxicity, and the ability to quite easily be turned into a marble that my team can then (laughs) eat for a potassium boost. Thank you. Well, I, I
0: would I would say that while what you say is not untrue about my team, it is possible that uh, that your team is the stupidest team ever invented. So there is that the, the the fact that you clearly did not decide beforehand to give everybody the the whatever test that is that they give quarterbacks. Clearly, you did Here's not your teams.
1: I don't need any wonderlick ace pupils <laughs> on my team because I have Janet and she has all the information in the universe. Like what is your bad Janet going to be able to teach Cheaty? There's no value add there. My Janet can teach all of my beautiful idiots everything that they I, need I, to know. I, I I think I honestly think that I, I just I crush this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I'm I almost feel bad about
0: do you, this is like Do you almost feel bad about Yeah. This? Did,
1: I I drafted <laughs> the neighborhood full of frozen yogurt. Right. And you drafted the clam chowder neighborhood. No, that's what you I, did. I,
0: you drafted clam chowder I'm, I'm looking at your team and seeing nothing but division Anger, and you're you're asking Janet to be the, your team leader because she knows things.
1: Eleanor is my leader. Janet is the brains of my operation, but Eleanor is the 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 force, the yeah. emotional core well, that that's propelling my team to victory. Clearly,
0: there is someone you can rely on. That's that's clear. That there's someone yes. you can really count on. And Janet, I agree. <laughs> good. I'm just saying. Let's. It'll be settled on the field. Obviously. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that I won. I'm, I'm just saying I think it's pretty clear that I won. We'll let Michael choose next week who won. He will choose you because he will never, ever choose me in anything. But he'll know,
1: and also he'll know deep better. down
0: that my team is the, is the premier team. He'll know. He'll know in his heart that my team is the, Listen, is the premier team.
1: You picked somebody who wears leather <laughs> pants. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that out on a baseball field? I, I don't even know. It can where work.
0: To start. I'm just telling you it can work all right Mallory I you know I can you just do this every week I don't need Michael back forget him. we don't need
1: him back <laughs> You just do. This. <laughs> anytime you need me anytime. no this was awesome this, was, this was, was so
0: great can't thank you enough for doing this and uh where so tell us tell us very quickly well you can you, you I was about to say tell us very quickly but you can take as long as you want to do this where can people find you over the next few months what do you what do you have coming up
1: please come to The ringer.com. It is a wonderful website that gets better every single day. I truly believe that. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming in the next few months, really just thrilling to watch the site grow every day. So please check it out. And then please listen to binge mode. We are doing binge mode weekly right now. We're hitting on a different topic every week. This week's podcast is going to be on annihilation and hallucinogenic mm-hmm. sci fi. Um, and then coming soon, we've been saying spring, coming soon, uh mode Harry Potter. And we will be going deep, deep, deep into all of the books, the movies, all of the offshoot properties Wizarding World, Pottermore, Cursed Child, Fantastic Beasts all of it. We're doing the entire Harry Potter world. So please check that out this spring. And uh, yeah,
0: thank you. Mischief managed. Oh, it's so mischief managed, is right. By the way, on this week's uh, uh, podcast uh, about annihilation, you can talk about your team. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. um, how
1: my team will be annihilating you? I agree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it will be an annihilation. But I've just that's fine. That's fine. No, this is awesome. I couldn't agree with everything you said. Mord the Ringer is awesome. Binge mode is awesome. Mallory is awesome. You know what? We did this whole thing. We never even talked about uh our live uh our live what was it like a live blog that we did for the championship game like five years yeah and years ago when was that
1: it's cool oh, man that was probably like i would say 2010 seven or eight years ago yeah i think it was like seven or eight years ago
0: yeah so back in the day that was we didn't even know what that was like back then it was like oh how about we just type things as they happen like we thought that was like so cutting edge it just it's i I think things have changed since then
1: we were living in a black mirror episode and we didn't (laughs) even know it ah the internet
0: (laughs) so exciting mallory as always thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me